Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes. In the red corner, the movie that made us frightened of hiking in Yorkshire, local pubs, the tube late at night, and oh yeah, frickin' werewolves from director John Landis. We are talking 1981's An American Werewolf in London. Isn't this fun? Lovely stroll on the moors. Did you hear that? I heard that. What is it? You think it's a dog? Nice doggy. Good boy. What happened to them? Oh, the police report said they were attacked by an escaped lunatic. A wolf. My friend Jack was just here. Ah! Told me that I will become a monster in two days. Your dead friend, Jack. Yes. While in the blue corner, we leave London for the Scottish Highlands, where a military training exercise goes very wrong after the appearance of not one, not two, but a family of frickin' werewolves. But more importantly, what about the football? Right, Chris? From 2002, it's Dog Soldiers. I love it when a posh bear talks dirty. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. You have lovely sheep. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crumpton. I'm Chris Tilly, and I've literally written down, am I that annoying when I'm talking about football? <laughs> <laughs> That's a question for Thursday. Oh, how are you both? Apart excellent. from being annoying when you're talking about football? Excellent. Good. Yeah, really well. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm very excited to be doing these movies today. Love a werewolf, really Frickin' love a frickin' werewolf. Uh, these were Chris's choices uh, this week, An American Werewolf in London versus Dog Soldiers. Tell us your inspiration. American Werewolf in London... Mm. Turns 40 this month. He loves an anniversary. And you know how I love an anniversary. He loves an anniversary. And when does it turn 40? What day? August the 21st. Guess who else turns 40 that day? Oh, wow. Me. No. Yeah. You were born on the same day yeah. as this. That says so much, doesn't it? It, it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, under a full moon. Well, it's sort of your full moon is probably, you know, a few pints of lager and then you change. I do change. Yeah, yeah. Change. I'm really funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, argumentative. <laughs> Uh, yes, and so it was. It then came down to what do you do American Whale with? There's two obvious ones for me: The Howling, mm. same year, same people, uh, behind the scenes a little bit, and it's another classic. But also, you know, werewolves in the UK, right? And I love Dog Soldiers as well. And I thought Howling would be fun, but Dog Soldiers will be funner. Hmm. Okay, okay, <laughs> I'm fine with that. You know, I told you I haven't seen The Howling, so I can't, I can't comment. But. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy with this pairing. Very happy with this pairing. Um, so the clue you gave on last week's show, Chris, was? Uh, we were trying to keep the wolf from the door. Correct. And you follow that up on Twitter with? with I had a clue and I thought, this is just going to give it away. What was the clue? And as the, um, Well, it was going to be a play on the boy who cried wolf. It was going to be the Brits who cried wolf. Oh, yeah. That gives it away. So I decided to not do another clue because there's only so many werewolf movies and everyone knew it was already a werewolf movie. Mm-hmm. And I felt like people are going to get it. Yeah. And they did. <laughs> 
Uh, people did get it, yeah. If you don't follow us on Twitter, you can join the Twitter party at ClashPod. We're also on Instagram at ClashPod. So uh, the guesses came in. Regular comments transformed under a full moon into guesses. Uh, Frank B says, Teen Wolf versus Teen Wolf 2, please. I mean, we're going to get to Teen Wolf at some point. Are we? That's going to happen. Mm. A million percent. I'm with, a bit. I'm with a bit Teen of, Wolf 2? Maybe not. Right. Okay. But Teen Wolf 2's, I mean, they're both bad, but Teen Wolf 2 is <laughs> one of the worst films of all time. Uh, Liam McPeace says, I really like this one. I think it's sort of, it's, it's based on your first clue, keeping the wolf from the door. Mm. I really like this. Home Alone versus The Purge. That's a great idea, <laughs> isn't it? The first Purge is because mm. it's obviously before it sort of got out of the house. Yeah. Home Invasion ship. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Yeah. Great idea. Uh, he says, Liam McPee, I don't expect this, but I pray for it. As you just heard, that could be a future clash. Uh, Tibbs goes Wolf versus The Shining, the link being the big bad, big bad Jack Nicholson. Uh, but congratulations to James Harrison, who got it right, but was beaten to the correct answer by our winner this week, Russell. Well done, Russell. Your prize is one night stay in London. <laughs> Zoo. In the enclosure of your choice, dinner will be a prickly businessman who will assure you that this isn't the least bit amusing. <laughs> Connections then. What have we got? I struggled a bit with this. So they obviously both refer to, you couldn't possibly be a werewolf, it must be an escaped lunatic, but obviously because Luna, the moon... That's it. That's as much as I've got. I've got werewolves. Well, yeah, obviously. And then I really stretched and I was like, but they're both assisted by people that work in the sciences, such as a nurse and whatever Megan fucking is or isn't, which apparently is a zoologist. She actually says she's a zoologist. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we'll get on to Megan. i got a lot to say about Megan. Uh, That's good, because the fucking right is done. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm going to be saying about Megan. Yeah. Um, I've got silver bullets and nonsense. That was the main thing that I took from it, because obviously in werewolf lore, you always talk about silver bullets kill a werewolf. And in both these movies, I thought silver bullets were part of the law in American Werewolf in London, but it's not. Both of them just get shot by regular bullets and die. But the dog soldiers, the silver knife works. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Check off silver knife. Mm. Yes. <laughs> but the gas coming out of the cooker isn't Jesus. made of silver. That's true. It's enough gas to what, light a candle? No, destroy an entire farmhouse made of stone. It's an old cooker. We used to have one in Leeds. They're death traps. On top of a bomb. <laughs> David Norton, the star of American Wolf in London, did say to John Landis after they rapped that those weren't silver bullets that shot me. We can make two more of these movies. <laughs> I bet he did because he was last in Sharknado 5, Global Swarming. Mm. So Works work. Works work. Sharknado movies are great. Songs with Moon in the title. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, home Invasions. One has a scene of Home Invasion. One is a Home Invasion. Mm. Yeah, all right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wolf POV. Yes. Good. We get some Wolf POV in both of them. Lovely. And that's your lot. All right, all right. Anyone to think he picked these movies, those connections? Well done. I'm paying attention. Uh, all right, then. Let's crack on with this. On Thursday, I'm going to be trapped in a farmhouse with some lads, just the way I like it. Which means today, Vicky has woken up naked in London Zoo again. <laughs> v, take us on a journey. Never trust a Yorkshireman, my dad used to say, and he was right, because they will literally throw you to the wolves for drinking tea in a pub. Never trust a Southerner, my mum used to say, because if you do get bitten by a werewolf, which also kills your friend, as with charmingly naive US backpackers David and Jack, you may end up in the clutches of a sexual predator posing as a nurse who will ferret you into a charming one bed to keep you as a sex slave. So maybe my mum was wrong, there are worse things in life. Like actually turning into a werewolf and murdering some poshos and homeless people and waking up in the zoo before the guy from Midsummer Murders figures it all out. Then you have to watch a porno for some reason because before causing mayhem as a wolf in Piccadilly Circus, can't do that nowadays. PC gone mad. That's clever, isn't it? PC, Piccadilly Circus. <laughs> and Jenny Agata breaks a police cordon because she's pretty, but then you try to eat her. No, not like that. That was earlier in the charming one bed. And that's the end of you. The end. <laughs> Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I enjoyed that. We should do a podcast about that introduction. <laughs> that was nice. That Thanks. was very good. Food for thought. Um, have you seen this film before? Uh, you asking me? Yeah, go on. Uh, this is a weird one for me. So <laughs> it, this makes it sound, this sounds like the Monty Python sketch. Oh, when I were a lad. When I were a lad, yeah. But my mum used to tell me the plots of movies to entertain me when we were on walks or when we were, I remember. Because you didn't have a telly. Right, but we did have a telly, but we didn't have a VCR. So 
she'd seen American Way Off in London and we were once cycling in Brittany, in France. And um, <laughs> she told me the entire plot of an American Way Off in London. Classic Pam. In like, really, like, proper detail. Like, she was like, and then the policeman's head bobs across the bonnet of the car yeah, and awesome. rolls through Piccadilly Circus. Next time I see your mum, I'm going to ask her to, to perform American Way Off for, for me. <laughs> On a bike. <laughs> but it was, it was I, I sometimes do think that was when I really fell in love with movies, hearing them as stories and then watching them. But the first time I actually saw this, I got as far as them. I was about eight years old. I got as far as them walking on the moors Mm. and the howl. Mm. And I was like, even though I loved watching movies that were too scary for me at that age, I checked out. I I think you got your timing right because it was about to turn particularly nasty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been, that scarred a lot of children, that scene. Yeah. So I, I tapped out at the Moors, uh, the Moors attack. Uh, so I'd seen it once before, a bit later when I was a teenager, enjoyed it. But this is probably the only the second full watch for me. I remember the video cover very distinctly terrifying me as a kid. There's a really nice poster of them in their cagoules on the moor with the moon. And it wasn't that poster. It's just a close-up of the wolf's face roaring with blood on its teeth. And that really frightened me as a kid. So I didn't watch it for years. I think I recorded it off the telly. And I think it was the early 1990s movie drone when Alex Cox would do those amazing introductions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I watched it on YouTube this week and I remembered it where he's pretending there's something after him on the moor. (laughs) Um, But he was just brilliant at introducing us to cult films when Mm. we were kids. Uh, I told you before, one of the greatest pairings I ever watched. I often go on about it, but... Hugh the Winged Serpent and Alligator, back-to-back, mm. movie drone, phenomenal. Cracking. Uh, I remember really enjoying it, loving the transformation, being weirded out by the Muppet stuff. And <laughs> when I was a little bit older, being a bit obsessed with Rufus Deakin, uh, the boy who plays uh, Boy with Balloon, yeah, because he might be the worst actor in film history. And I just I couldn't understand how and why that was in the film. And we used to talk about Rufus Deakin a lot when I was at school. Hmm. How did that happen? <laughs> I've only seen it once before in the week and it was at college and I, I, I wasn't really paying attention. So it was a, when we were at Goldsmiths and it was on and yeah. I watched it or I was told to watch it. And yeah, fine, whatever. Like, it must have been on Mark's VHS shelf. I asked him about this in the week. You know, he's still refer- he's the only person in the world that still refers to the Halliwell's Guide for films and he's like, no, we haven't watched it. Um, it's a two-star film. And I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I know. I used to love that shelf. I got through about, I, I got through quite a lot of them, but the, you know, when he was like, I wish I had, I wish I'd listened to him more because he had some great films on there and he was like, you need to watch Suspiria. Mm. And I'm like, what is it? And he's like, it's this Italian horror. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Let's watch Lord of the Rings again. <laughs> so I would say this is my first, I mean, I know all the key scenes and I know the transformation really well, but I have never, I've never really sat down and watched it properly, like start to finish. So there we go. All right, then. All right, so let's talk about the background to the film. So John Landis wrote it in 1969, but he couldn't get it away, could he? No. Because it's too scary for a comedy and it's too funny for a horror. Mm. Um, Apparently, he was inspired. He wanted to do something in the sort of supernatural realm. He was in Yugoslavia, what was then Yugoslavia, and he saw a man being buried feet first and wrapped in garlic. I I also read somewhere else that the the burial he was witnessing was the body of a rapist. I don't know if that is important, but the people that were burying this man were worried he would rise from the grave. So that sets him off on this track. of Garlic, though. Yeah. So like vampire law. Well, do you know what? I was once in a taxi in Greece Mm -hmm. and he had quite a lot of garlic hanging from the wing mirror and I'd I'd had a few uh, mythoses by Mm -hmm. that point. I was like, why have we got garlic on the wing mirror? (laughs) And he said it's to ward off the spirits of bad luck, you know, for for driving. So how did you get in the cab? (laughs) (laughs) So he was making me laugh. He's like, we don't really do driving lessons, but we all put garlic on our um, rear view mirrors and it's the same. It wards off bad luck. He was teasing, obviously. Right. So this idea, yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, vampire lore, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Chris, you look like you were going to say something when you heard about the guy being buried up to his uh, no. ankles first in garlic. Vicky said Vicky got it all. All right, okay. Thank, thank oh, you. Well. <laughs> he's going to jump in a bit earlier, but he's like, oh, no, she knows it. And as John Lennon said, like every, I mean, every culture, it is interesting, especially European culture has got like man, well, man-wolf stories, but they're obviously man-beast stories. Mm. Uh, throughout the world, even Dracula can turn into a wolf, etc. But he said, quote, no one would make this fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) It took him 10 years to get the funding. Um, Apparently, this is interesting, he funded it with bank loans and then for like contract geeks, he then entered into what is called a negative pickup deal where Mm -hmm. someone pays for it after it's done. Interesting. Um, But he had enough clout by the 80s because as we know, he's done Animal House and the Blues Brothers by then. So I didn't realise... I mean, when I was looking at this, I didn't realise how big both those movies were. 
I yeah. mean, I, I knew Animal House. Well, Blues was Brothers big. wasn't big. Animal House was big. Blues Brothers did about 150 million, like on you a sure? 30 I million it was budget. A flop. That's, that's what I mean. So okay. did I. But no, actually, it did. It did a lot. Sorry. Sorry, I was yeah, drinking. I'll, 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 I'll carry on. It really did a lot, Chris. Oh, that's great. Thanks, yeah, Liz. Just no worries. Throw, throw back over to me just yeah, for a second. because for it. <laughs> uh, Landis was... Well, so he's got this idea, but he's really um, obsessed with the idea of a, a more realistic transformation scene. So the scene in which David turns into a werewolf. Um, so he, you know, he never understood why in werewolf films that have gone before, uh, specifically the Wolfman from the 40s, the the sort of the character sort of sits there and lets this transformation happen, and he wanted to show the full transformation, make it painful to watch. Um, he's worked with Rick Baker. Was it on Schlock, which I haven't seen? You're not missing much. Oh really? <laughs> oh okay. Good. It's very it's kind of a dumb student film yeah. where with a bloke dressed as a, uh, an ape. John Landis. Gorilla. John Landis is Schlock in it. He, oh, okay. He's the guy dressed as the ape Gr- thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is because Rick Baker was like, "Yeah, I'm up for it," but I need to start. I need to start work on the actors' body mouldings like ASAP. So that meant they were casting the actors fairly quickly because Rick Baker needed to like get ahead of everything because there's so much work involved in uh, the transformation of David into a werewolf and Jack into a corpse. So <laughs> um, apparently uh, when Rick Baker met David Norton, he just said, I feel sorry for you because of the amount of time he was going to have to spend in casts and moulds. And this is a quote um, from one of the actors it's really funny. So it says, you know, having that thing dry around your face with those tubes. It did occur to me that if Rick was psychotic, all he had to do was take out those little straws and watch you suffocate, which is a good idea for a film. Nah, uh, it's been done. Has it? Uh, Murder Most Horrid. Do you ever remember Murder mm. Most Horrid? Dawn were, French. Dawn French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there was an episode of that where she basically played a, a, an absolute bitch of a Blue Peter presenter. <laughs> and she has a, a, a mole put on her and a tube to breathe through. And I won't spoil it because you can watch it on YouTube if you want. And it's a really fucking dark episode. But someone basically blocks that tube and she suffocates wearing a mold. Awesome. Mm. That's awesome. Mm. So, yeah, just a little bit on casting. So David Norton is known to everyone as the face of Dr. Pepper, which I was unaware of. I didn't know that Dr. I mean, because in this country in the 80s, did we even have Dr. Pepper? I'm not sure. I think we did. I remember it being a big deal when it was at McDonald's. There was a big push with that whole what's the world that can happen ad campaign yes. about sort of 15 years ago. But okay. that's all I remember. Did you watch the advert, though, that he was in? He was in one advert. I saw a still of it. Um, it's but- very annoying and very catchy. I can see why that was a huge advert in America. I'm a pepper, you're a pepper. Oh, so this is the thing, that I'm a pepper. So apparently John Landis says to him, we're both peppers. I, yep. like, what does-? I was reading, I was like, what does that mean? Both peppers? What does I'll, this mean? I'll post the advert on our Twitter because it's very watchable because he's a good dog. Dancer and singer David Norton. He had like a, a disco hit. Yeah. In the in the in the, in 1980. So yeah, yeah he said he, like he would go to these auditions and he was just like you know male dancer number one or whatever. And then before you know it, really quickly he's cast in this this big werewolf film. It's so weird. I know I made the joke about him being in Sharknado Five: Global Swarming earlier, but I'm surprised he did not have a bigger career after uh, this. I'm not. Really? <laughs> I don't think. I mean, I think he's cute, but. I don't know. Like no, oh, I, don't, no. I, don't. I thought he had a real likability. Like you care he does. about him. That's true. But yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't okay. know. Yeah. I don't but I don't hate him or anything. I just do not. <laughs> Good. <laughs> sorry. 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 And so that's kind of it. That's as much as I've got. Would you like to add anything more? I guess the only thing I had was that obviously they the Rick Baker started working with, as you said, with John Landis on the metamorphosis at the time of Schlock. And then it took so long to get it made, Rick Baker ended up going and working on the howling. And so Landy said, I've got the money, let's do it. And Rick Baker said, I can't. And they really fell out. They had a huge argument, the two of them. And uh, Rick Baker felt like he had to do the right thing. Mm. And so he left The Howling, which um, was quite controversial at the time. Went and worked on American Werewolf, but he left his protege, Rob Bottin, to do The Howling stuff. And that helped launch Rob Bottin's career. So we got two great special effects masters for the price of one there that year. Uh, the only thing I have is that it was almost uh, an American werewolf in Paris because he, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, he was going he was trying to shoot in London, ran into trouble with uh, London's equity system. Mm. And, um, and so he started scouting locations in Paris and was yeah. like, I'm going to do it in Paris. And then they sorted it out at the end. And one final thing just for you. What? Just for you, Victoria. Yeah. Um, the guy who plays uh, Jack Griffin Dunn. Mm-hmm. He directed the Sandra Bullock movie Practical Magic. Did <laughs> I didn't know that. There you go. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that's He's nice. He's quite an interesting career, both uh, in front and behind the camera. He's um, the story editor on the upcoming Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch, which okay. is just quite, quite strange. He's still working. That's He's still great. Good, yeah. 
Okay, good. I'm done. Okay, great. Shall we talk about the film? Yeah. Mm. All right. So we meet buddies, David and Jack, and they've chosen to hike through Yorkshire before going to Rome, which is weird if you ask me, but fine. Why? Just... Yorkshire's bloody lovely. Yorkshire's bloody lovely. Yeah, no, it I is think, lovely. I think if you've got three months to travel around Europe. Starting Rome. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's a big shout going to the Yorkshire Moors, which are lovely. But <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Quite grim as well. <laughs> and they're cold. Cold as Even fun. in the summer. Yeah. But you want to appreciate the sunshine and the piazzas of Rome by starting somewhere a little bit grim. Dreamy. Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking London. Barcelona. <laughs> but it seems to be, this seems to be. Athens. <laughs> Jack, does, going. Jack doesn't want to be there, though. No, no, it's, no, it's part so of the they, joke, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's cute, it's fine. And they are, for the time, I think what, what works, I mean, a lot has been said down like, along this vein already, but what works so well about this film is they present to, to us Brits as like typical uh, Americans, typical mm. sort of boys from the US. So they're really easy in themselves. They feel like they totally belong. They hitch a lift with someone. They're not scared to do that with that sheep farmer. They're cracking wise all the time. They'll talk to anyone kind of thing. Like they're supremely confident. That's and Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we think of, of, at the time. Yeah, as Americans. They're, they're, they're riding in the back of a sheep truck. They're lambs for the slaughter. And as Landis says, this film isn't subtle. They're dead. They are. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing... Opening image. I think our idea of Americans is sort of matured a bit over these we now think you know the sort of California self-help thing and the mindfulness thing and whatever but in the 80s we're like yes Americans are loud and this and whatever and all these other stereotypes so they fit that perfectly but and yeah. yet they're still really sweet polite and... though yeah 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 Very exactly mm. because that's the thing then when they walk into the Wild West saloon the slaughtered lamb <laughs> This pub is your worst nightmare if you're from the US and you're accustomed to excellent customer service, like which they are. But that doesn't that still sometimes that still bothers me. Like when you've been traveling in America and you, the 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 level of the customer service you get, and you sometimes do you not think like when yes. Americans come here, even now in yeah. 2021, they must be like, duh. It can depend where you are in America, though. You could I've been into some bars that aren't in New York and LA where you walk in and you have this reception when mm. you're obviously not from that place. Did you not used to dare each other to do it? So like, it, there's not many pubs like this anymore. Back in my day, but in Blackburn, there was a, quite a few pubs like that. Mm. And we used to mm. dare ourselves to run in as like women and be like, two pints, please. And then until we got so scared that we'd have to yeah. leave. I ended up in one of them in York on the New Year's Eve 2000. At about four in the morning, we we sort of ended up in a lock in there and we were not welcome. No. You know, there used to be one in um, in Highgate, uh, not far from me. Literally until about ten years ago, which was the only pub in Highgate I'd never been in. I was like, let's go in there. Let's go in the Duke's Head, mm. and um, mm. and it was frosted glass, so you couldn't see in from the outside. Perfect. It's and a great day. <laughs> pushed open the door, and like there were about three old boys sitting around that bar, and they all turned very slowly and looked at us, and <laughs> we just, just turned and went wrong pub. Yeah, <laughs> like, wrong pub. Sorry. <laughs> it, weirdly, now it's just become a very cool Americana style bar. But that's everything's a gastro pub now isn't it like, I do feel sorry for the old boys that got a bit pushed out mm. but I'm happier for it because so I've got more drinking options there was another pub in Highgate called the, the Red Line and Sun again lovely gastro pub now very very nice but I went in there before it became the pub it is now and it was a pro it was like this this old guy used to run it and uh, I, when I was in there there was a, a table of old dears sitting around uh, this table underneath um, underneath the TV screen and they just ordered lunch and he just sort of goes over and he goes you need to move. <laughs> Rugby's on. Boys need to sit here. Yeah. And they were like, I get um, it. I get it. Um, uh, I get it. Um, we should go to the Black Swan in Guildford. Yeah. Because that's where the slaughtered lamb is. Oh, really? That's what they use. That pub's still going. Mm. And it looks it looks vaguely similar. I was looking at pictures online. But they've missed a trick there. There's no pentagram on the wall. There's no From dartboard. Yeah. It's like, why not? <laughs> this is a really big thing you've got. Well, the <laughs> yeah. wall where the pentagram was, because I looked at the same photos, it's been knocked through to make a restaurant now. Okay. So that actual wall doesn't exist anymore. Sure, but you can put a pentagram on the wall. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Hang on. People will take a photo. People will come to have a photograph taken I with think, it. I think they're a bit sort of like, we don't want... Yes. We don't want not in Guildford. Not it, in Surrey. <laughs> Doesn't even reference it on the website. I was looking through the website going, how have you not gone? Nice. This is the slaughtered fucking lamb. Yeah, come on down. Change your bloody name. Maybe they're just worried that everyone will order tea. And, but actually, the markup on tea is significant, so <laughs> I don't know. That's how you make your money. If you're a brewery-owned pub, sure. food and tea, because all the alcohol you buy... Mm. Top top price. I know. I used to work as a waitress in a in a pub like that. And I know. Then... I worked next to you as a glass collector. Oh yeah, we were always supposed to push the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what normal one's Wasn't that coffee? called the slaughtered lamb. The lamb and flag. The lamb and flag. But it used to be called some like the blood bath or something. So they used to do like <laughs> cockfighting. It wasn't or... called the blood bath. I'm pretty sure it was. 
<laughs> who was the guy who was nearly beaten to death in the alley next to it? Oh, no, not uh, in our lifetime, historically. Historically, yeah, like um, uh, the poet laureate, wasn't he? Yeah, someone. Anyway, I can't remember, but yeah, terrifying, famous, fun famous place, history. fun mm. place. Um, who's in the pub though? It's only fucking Rick Mayall. Yay! Do you know how he came to be in the pub? I do. But yeah. would you like no, to say? No, you tell us. So John Landis goes to the comedy store. And sees Rick Mail and Aid Edmondson and quote, they were basically just screaming at each other, <laughs> which is amazing. And you can imagine that. So he offers them a part. The next day, Rick Mail turns up, but Aid Edmondson doesn't because he didn't believe him. So he's like, oh, well, you just be in it then. Yeah. Brilliant. But he didn't have a part for In him, hindsight, though. isn't it such a shame he doesn't have a line? It's a real shame. He gets yeah. to laugh, but you're like, oh, it's Rick Mail. But, but I think John Lander says he fell in love with his face. And that's why there's so many shots of Rick Mail just leering. Yeah, that's what he does him. best. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, I think that's kind of cheeky of John Landis. He was like, there's a part for both of you in it. <laughs> and Aid Edmondson really didn't believe him, and Rick Mail did. And there wasn't. No, for either <laughs> wasn't of them. A part. No. So yeah, the pub is very much like you're not from round here kind of thing. Um, and the boys are soon kicked out, ostensibly for upsetting a game of darts, I think. But uh, they and they do look really funny, like sitting there with their cups of tea and things like that. So they look like aliens as they're supposed to, yeah. like you know, not not out of space aliens, but especially the red puffer jacket. Mm. You know, that's uh, it's Lance's wife uh, does all the costumes on his films, and that was very on purpose. And it is they're all in brown and green and tweed in that pub, and then you've got this red alien coming in, and yeah, he's an outsider from the beginning. Yeah. He does get table service, though, which wasn't a thing in the 80s. So he's winning a little bit. Well, it was basically so the landlady could come over and tell them off. Yeah. That landlady is brilliant. That is the most realistic landlady I think I've ever seen. Yeah. She's great. Even when she's imploring, like, we we can't leave them or whatever she's saying. Like, it it totally works. And the way David Schofield says, you made me miss. Mm. And just Brian Glover. Like, there's so much going on in that scene. That joke that he tells is so menacing. Like, (laughs) it's so scary. I don't know if it's because... Because of his accent, it's just a little bit triggering. <laughs> like I'm just like, all of a sudden, a fa- my family functions do sour quite easily. And it can often start with someone making a bad joke, not me. And I just felt very nervous <laughs> in that moment. Um, right, more on the moors after a short break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So anyway, they've been kicked out. They're told... To keep clear, keep clear at Moors, but they fucking don't, do mm. they? They wander right onto that Moors, and they're still making jokes, and they're still like situated in their own Americanness, and everything's going to be fine. Don't you love how casually, like as you're watching, you just sort of watch their footsteps. They they don't consciously go or like verbally say, "Let's actually, there might be a shortcut or anything stupid like that." It's just a very sort of like, they don't even realise yeah. they're veering mm. off they sing, the road. Well, they're singing, aren't they? They're mm. concentrating on the stupid jokes they're making. Yeah, and which takes them off the path. And so they do hear a terrifying howling. Which is so? Is this when you switched off? When you one of the great one of the greatest werewolf howls in history cinema. Do you want it's, to know what it actually is? Yes, please. It's a pig farm recorded from a distance in quote marks. I, I don't know if that. <laughs> I don't know. Were you not allowed near the pig farm? <laughs> like, John Landis, get off my. Farm running at you with a tape recorder. <laughs> See, I, I had someone saying it was eight different animal howls cut up and combined, including a wolf and an elephant. Yeah, I've got that for later. 
<laughs> so don't worry, but I won't. We do it were now. told that we weren't allowed on the farm near our school when we were growing up because uh, my friend James Jolly for a, a bet for ten pounds, which was quite a lot of money. It's yeah. a lot of money yeah, at school. It was about yeah. ninety ninety five. You're going to spend it all on stickers mm. and fags. I don't know what he was going to spend it on, but he ran into the barn and he bit a cow, and he came back with cow's hair in his mouth as evidence. Otherwise, he wasn't going to get the ten pounds. He didn't buy a cow. I mean, did you he, go to school he, on like some sort of like the Wicker Man? Like, didn't you go he, to a normal urban school? He didn't buy a cow. He no. found a bit of cow hair. He claims he pulled the hair from the cow with his teeth, but <laughs> he may have found. I mean, obviously, we're not idiot kids, so we were like, you just picked that up, but it's good enough. That is, that is classic Jimmy Jolly. James Jolly gets a few mentions. He on does, the show doesn't and he? He sounds like a fucking right laugh. <laughs> I would really like to meet him. <laughs> he doesn't bite cows anymore. Fine, whatever. What else will he do for a tenner? Let's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. So Jack is killed and David is injured by this beast. Um, it's terrifying. The fucking blood everywhere. It's amazing. Um, the wolf is shot and just turns into this sort of like little naked guy. Mm. Um, so we're off kind of thing. Shit is happening. David gets to hospital. Some jokes about his penis, uh, which is very funny and sort of welcome relief, if you will. Um, but that all... yeah, is it I funny? Mean, it is quite funny. I feel like it's vaguely threatening because I think there's a lot of stuff about anti-Semitism in this film. Definitely. And yeah, what she's done is really, it's it, not well, just it's, unprofessional, it's, I think she's, she doesn't like a Jewish person. It's very inappropriate, but the, the trouble is, Nurse Alex Price is also, to my eyes, deeply inappropriate, so it kind of cancels yeah, out her colleagues' behaviour. Agreed, she doesn't call her out on it and she should do. No, and also the Nazis, you know, Nazis in Europe, which if you're a Jewish person from the US is understandably a fear and so they're, you know, they're abroad and mm. the fear of like Nazis sort of they've running got, loose. They've got Jewish they? names, they insult each other in, in Yiddish um, and and interestingly, most of, as we were saying earlier, most of the the werewolf law doesn't come from a novel or from history. It comes from um, a, a, a Jewish writer called Kurt Seardmark who wrote the first Wolfman movie in 1941. And he was a Jewish man who left Germany because of the rise of anti-Semitism. This was his allegory yeah. for evil taking hold and the face of evil and the mark of the devil and normal people becoming killers. Yeah, And so I think that's, I think, I think it's a really important line in the film actually, but it's weird. Mm, I agree. It's, it's really weird. It is unsettling. <laughs> But then, like I say, the trouble is, Nurse Alex Price, very quickly, is like, shall I feed you? And it's like, sorry, what? <laughs> I think you need to back off, lady. And also, um, this one-on-one intensive support he gets during his hospital stay, like the bit where she's reading a book to him, like the NHS is always under strain <laughs> and under pressure. Is your job sitting there reading a novel to this man because you fancy him? Like, I couldn't believe it when the doctor was like, just have a massive sit down, Alex. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. We are not rushed off our feet like every other hospital in the country. Is the, is the feeding him scene, not, does that not fit into your sort of reach around motif? Interesting. I, mean, I know that it's not coming from behind, but... I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know there is... That is a low ball. There's, but there's certainly a real... There's, there's an actual reach around later. But in this instance, mm. is this the meet cute reach around? It's interesting because he isn't keen. The, the reach around it works when you're like, I, I want you to do this thing and but I'm waiting for you to do it. And he at does first, in the end, though. Yeah. He's kind of like, no, I won't have my food. In terms of the way it services the narrative, services the narrative, uh, yeah, 100%. You're absolutely right. right. Spotted it again. Excellent. It's a classic reach around <laughs> uh, where are we right so we're in hospital um let's talk about makeup so there's a quick wolf face <laughs> in bright light when uh david is having these weird dreams and it's amazing like it's you know i'm watching this i, kn- I know the very famous transformation scene i'd forgotten about this bit and it's so scary and it looks great and no one's hiding in the shadows it's awesome mm. and it's awesome for the time and it's still good now i mm. think um, and Jack turns up looking dead as fuck, which is great <laughs> also. But the, the story moves on. So he's imploring David to kill himself before he transforms into a werewolf at the full moon and hurts other people. It's how, I, I love it. I, I just, it's such an ingenious idea having a funny corpse like, yes. reappearing mm. throughout the movie. And getting progressively more decrepit. Yeah. I've only ever seen this in one other film, which was the recent attempt at the Dark Universe uh, version of The Mummy, where Jake Johnson's character uh, reappears to Tom. I mean, it's a direct steal, and he's he's more and more decrepit as the movie goes on, and he talks to him from the beyond the grave. And Scrooged as well. That's got uh, when Bill Murray's boss, the Jacob Marley person, he's got bits like the golf ball goes through his face. It's like that's very funny, isn't it? Mm. And a little bird pops out of his cheek or something. Remember? I think so. Yeah. 
Anyway, enough of that because it's sexy time. So are you not going to touch on the Nazi fucking demon dream? <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> I just that blew my mind. I could not remember that from the first no. time I watched it. It's horrifying. It is horrifying. It is horrifying. How but- did? Jim Henson let that happen. <laughs> Isn't that a wit? You can't get Disney obviously own the Muppets now. You can't imagine Disney saying, oh yeah, just put 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 our thing there. Nuts, as you say. Oh, yeah. absolutely. A family getting Why mowed did you down. Even ask? Yeah, of course you can do that. I mean, because obviously there's a connection here because Frank Oz appears earlier in the mm. film as, as this man from the embassy. I, he was always the voice of bureaucracy, I think, in John Lannister's because he was the corrections officer in yep. Blues Brothers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just it's a it's a really strange decision. Uh, for Henson but it's uh, unlike you that has stayed with me that is one of my abiding memories of this film is just the Muppets suddenly switching <laughs> to you know Gestapo monsters murdering uh, kids yeah mm. it's horrifying um, so Alex has successfully groomed David to the point where he's now in her flat and he doesn't have a key um, I find you attractive and a little bit sad yeah what is mm. that so I read some theories about that about she's sort of like she's the bridge between like Anglo-American relations she wears his NYU t-shirt she has no issue with him being an American it's probably quite attractive and all the rest of it mm. but is it saying something about Anglo-US relations at the time where it's like I, you are attracted to me and sad like what is that I don't know. I just thought... It's I quite just, an unusual thing to say to someone. I was just imagining if someone said that to me, I'd be like, so you find me attractive? <laughs> mm. I got, normally had it the other way around. <laughs> I find you very sad and a little bit attractive, little bit. but not, not enough. Um, I've, I've, I've had seven lovers in my life. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Three of them were more like Sans. Sorry, did I ask a question? And I've forgotten yeah. it. And I, I don't think you're allowed to do in a script. I understand that in real life it happens, but she does say, I don't really know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like you, Neither you do I. Yeah. Where did this come from? This is yeah. oversharing. I did find the sex scene a bit. I, the, the sex in bed is all fine, but the shower, I was just like, oh, just, just dying a bit. I like, remember that being much more much more happens in it. I was quite disappointed watching Just it this time. Just some very tame biting. But, John but watching it this time, I was like, oh, well, she's biting him because he's a biter. It's more of a nibble. I don't yeah, know. but he's a wolf. So I, I guess, I mean, on purpose, he said to her, bite him because oh, biting okay. is going to be something. Is, thing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. John Landis regrets cutting back on that sex scene. Really? Yeah, he says Me he too. Wished, yeah, <laughs> he there was more in him. Do you ever think about Jenny Agatha? Is it you that does? No. No, I thought... I mean, I, I think someone... everyone does a little bit, but mm. not particularly. I weirdly don't because the, the railway children. So when I was younger, I was told to read the railway children and I was a big reader and I whatever. And I was like, brilliant. You know, someone's given me a recommendation. It felt like a bit more grown up, a bit older than I was. And all I remember from the railway children is them saying, we were poor now. We had to choose between jam or butter. And I was like, that is not relatable at all. Like, that's not poor. And that's why you don't fancy Jenny And that's why I don't fancy Jenny because then I watched it and I was like, God, you're annoying. I, I don't what think are you talking her, about? I don't think that's her fault. I don't think that's her she fault. She embodies the annoyance I felt with the railway children. Yeah, but you... you I know, I know, I know. We had a conversation just the other day about you. You, I use butter and mayonnaise and you use one or the other. Oh, that's Yeah, that's rank. <laughs> <laughs> they... Um, and you don't use butty fucking vegan. Use margarine All right, mayonnaise. Margarine. I was just using a shorthand. Use margarine yeah. and more egg-free mayonnaise. What I'm saying pervert. is there's a spread. <laughs> there's a spread veganaise. Very nice. <laughs> anyway, there's a, there's, you, you can have mayonnaise with a spread as, uh, yep. together. You don't replace the spread, the butter-based spread or an equivalent with mayonnaise. If the sandwich is cold, yes, you do. Well, I'll be honest, a- I've spent too much of my life listening to you have this discussion. <laughs> this happens a lot, this particular discussion. <laughs> um, so it's Moondance by Van Morrison playing in this scene. And oh, I liked, yeah. um, I heard Landis talking about some of the songs he tried to get but didn't. Um, he wanted Bob Dylan's version of Blue Moon. But at the time, Bob Dylan was famously a born-again Christian, didn't yeah. want to be involved with an R-rated <laughs> movie. But he also wanted Moonshadow by Cat Stevens, as he was called then. Uh, but he wouldn't let them have it because he thought werewolves were real. Okay, and he didn't. He didn't want to. He didn't want to make trouble for himself. I thought werewolves were real when I was a child, but I <laughs> yeah. really did. I, I didn't say this, but werewolves were the monster of all monsters that terrified me the most growing up as a kid. Of all the mythical creatures, this is the one that if I was out in the woods and it was getting dark, yep. it was werewolves that I was imagining were behind the trees. Fair enough. Maybe because there could be wolves behind a tree. Maybe that's what it is. Because there's not going to be a vampire or a Frankenstein behind mm. a tree, but there could be a wolf in Leeds yeah. in the 1980s. More chance of that than a vampire. <laughs> I mean, yeah, true, but negligible. Uh, it was poltergeist to me, like the thing you can't see and it can like tip your life upside down and hurt you and all again, that, but it's terrifying. Not, not real. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, or, or jam or butter. <laughs> actually, a, bit, a point about the music, I would be interested to know what you think. And since this is a, a podcast, I can a- actually ask you what you think. So this scene... 
So they've had sex. Fine. Did, let's talk about Dr. Hirsch in a minute. He's weirdly off to Yorkshire to like figure out what's going on. Just as someone who's lived in London and the North, like that's a fucking hell of a drive is, on a yeah. whim. Like, very I committed. Yeah. And he's it makes like, me so, like him though. He's doing a, basically a six hundred mile round trip. But he's it's, it's good because he does give his reasons for going. He's like yeah. these wounds had been treated before I got to David, so something is afoot here. Yes. I mean, again. Medical professionals with a lot of time on their hands. Yeah, that's true. Um, so David's in the flat by himself because Alex hasn't given him a key because he's a sex slave. So then <laughs> the tension is, is he going to turn into a werewolf? And so Bad Moon Rising plays, which is a brilliant cracking song, but does it undercut the tension a little bit? Because it's just like a, a fun tune. I like the mu- music choices because they're so off kilter with the rest of the film. Yeah. They're, they're obviously two on the nose, but I think, I feel like they're driving the narrative. They're driving the story. They're, they're, yeah. So it, I feel like he's trying to build anticipation by doing it. So yes, it does tell us where it's going, but I, yeah. I don't mind that. I mean, it was interesting. I listened to the commentary. There's a lovely commentary that Griffin Dunn and David Norton do together and they sound like they really get along, although they do get lost watching the film a bit too often. You're supposed to talk over it, lads. <laughs> but they were saying here, it feels like, and how he played it was it was like a junkie waiting for the drugs to kick in mm-hmm. as he's walking around like there's Feels something like yeah, yeah, true. Can't, can't settle can't changing settle, yeah. TV channels there's a line here that I, I, I couldn't quite work out I, I have questions and theories but when he talks about Lon Chaney's father being the one who kills him in the Wolfman mm. and he goes I've got this theory that it has to be someone who loves you mm-hmm. that yep. kills you yep. which Sort of feels like at that point that it's setting up. The it really that, does, doesn't it? That she is <laughs> yeah. going to I be the one back to that. who yeah. has to kill him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll come back to that later. Are you going to come back to that? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Is it? It's, it's fresh. It's are you saying? Are you saying stop? Stop now, and you'll do it later. No, I can repeat you. It's, no, it's cool that you pointed it out here. This yeah. is when it happened. But okay. yes, you didn't know. You can't read my mind. I can't can read you? your mind. No, I certainly Source can't. Source of many an argument. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, sorry, just to jump ahead, but Dog Soldiers also set something up which really maddeningly doesn't pay off. All right. um, I'm probably. We're probably going to talk about that on oh, Thursday. Oh, shit. Is yeah. that one of your bits? I mean, it's nice that you mentioned it here, yeah, but yeah, right, I thought I'd enough. wait till yeah. the Dog Soldiers mm. episode. Can't read your mind. Mm. Can't read your mind. No, source of many arguments. <laughs> so, but then the transformation is upon us. So here it is. the One of the most famous scenes in cinema history, maybe? Yeah. I, I would, I would um, say so. It's fucking awesome. His limbs elongate, his spine pops, his body lengthens, then the snout <clears> pops out. It's amazing. It took a week to film. He was like pinned to the floor. Um, it's just incredible. Mm. I've seen it a lot of times before and the sounds, the crunching and the popping noises and he's in a lot of pain. It's fantastic. And, and it, it delivers on everything that John Landis wanted. And it's all happening in that harsh light. Yes. That's the key, isn't it? And there's no one he's cutting away to. Yeah. You know, he's cutting around him, but we, you know, it's brutal for Rick Baker. Yeah. You know? You, you can't make a single mistake here. And he nails it. And it's fun hearing how they did stuff behind the scenes, like syringes with plungers. They pushed the plunger and that's how the fingers got longer. It was just a syringe and a bit of rubber pushing yeah. it out. Oh. And all, just really simple, practical stuff. Yeah. But as, a, as he said, he had 10, 10 years to prepare for this. Yeah. Well, he talks about building all the equipment for it and he was like, it was months and months and months and I get there on set and we do it and the, the sequence lasts about 10 seconds and John Landis goes, cut, we got that. And it's like <laughs> this sort of weird thing where he's like, that was like months I didn't know what his point them. was. Has he not been on a film set before? <laughs> <laughs> that really confused me. Um, all the hair growing. He simply pulled the hair backwards through the thing and then played it forwards, played it the way around. It's like, it's all so simple uh, when you yeah. know how they're doing it, but it's just brilliantly put together. Yeah. The weird thing is that um, Rick Baker wanted the, or, or thought that the werewolf should be a, a biped because like, you know, that's the... The uh, the human part of the werewolf mm-hmm. is like is the fact that it walks on two legs. Had but... he seen Dog Soldiers and he thought that looks shit? <laughs> <laughs> I, won't do that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this looks any better once this this wolf's wandering around. Oh really? I love it. I think he looks really good. I love the fact it's on all fours. I love yep. the fact that John Landis said to him, "I don't want a biped werewolf. I want a fucking demon hound from hell." Yeah. This werewolf is the scariest wolf in cinema. Because that's the thing that when, so when he's off on his rampage, when he goes to the river and there's the community of homeless people, I didn't find that, that I know you don't, he, put, he cut out the bit where they get eaten, mm. but I didn't find that that scary because we're in a wide open space. And so your human brain is like, okay, if that was me, you could jump into the river or whatever. But the bit on the underground, even though the, the businessman is a bit of a dick and all the rest of it, and it's weirdly empty for the Northern line or whatever. It's so scary seeing a, an animal on all fours at the bottom of the escalator because it's so alien. That's it. Yeah. That shot That's the best is bit. 
unbelievable. It's weird. I got I got fixated. I think it was the same um, Rick Baker documentary that you watched where mm. they showed loads of unused footage. It's I, I don't know whether it would have lessened the effect of that one shot where you're looking down the escalator and the wolf appears at the bottom, which is probably my favourite shot in the movie. Not seen, so I'm not spoiling the bits. Favourite shot in the movie. But there were other scenes where, you know, you sort of, it's, you're looking down the tunnel on the tube and you feel that the wolf is going to round the corner and it doesn't. Yeah. There were actual shots of the wolf rounding the corner. And to my mind, I think it would have been fucking awesome yeah. to see it round that corner. I have yes. no idea why he didn't put that in. Again, because your human brain is like, okay, something on two legs kind of can be on the underground, that's fine, but a big dog on mm. four... You know, if you see a huge dog on the underground, I mean, I find that a bit scary, so... Well, he that, did say that he, he doesn't think the wolf always looked great, and he worries that Landis, what, looking back on it now, feels like he might have shown too much of the wolf mm. in the final half hour. I don't think so. No, I don't. Um, I always get excited when I remember who the businessman is. Who is it? He's Bib Fortuna from Return of the Jedi. He's Jabba's mate. Really? Yeah, that's the same actor. Sorry, Bib, Bib Fortuna Bib. is the guy with the thing round his neck. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. translated. That's him, guy. Same oh guy. And he actually, you can see it when you're. Sorry, geeking out. <laughs> it's too, right. Way too geeky. I just thought I knew I acted like it. That's great. <laughs> Michael Carter, yeah. Um, so, yeah, David's had a pretty good time. So he's back home. He's a bit frisky, but he's essentially fine. Um, he's woken up in the zoo. Um, I mean, He's gotten over his best friend's death really quickly. Yeah. His best friend's... I know, I know he's getting some some good sex. Yes. But he's really quickly recovered from that. Yeah, because yeah. he's very sad at first. Um, mm. But he is, yeah, he's basically over it. I mean, there's, there's stuff... I haven't got any notes on it because the, the zoo stuff is all funny. You know, in real life, there's real extras walking... Uh, not real extras. He thought they were extras, but they're real people because the shot, uh, the shoot over ran. The stuff with the kid with the balloons. The kid with the balloons. Rufus the, Deacon is the actor. Rufus Deacon. <laughs> God bless him. It didn't annoy me as much as it annoyed you. I think he delivers his line really well. <laughs> so strange that that bothered you. Yeah. A naked American man stole my balloon. Perfect. <laughs> Say it normally. Don't, don't do it again. <laughs> you have skipped over a scene I thought you'd love, which is where the uh, the young yuppie couple get yeah. killed in the gardens. Yeah. And there's the, the, the people whose house they go around to dinner for. Yeah. And she sends her husband out. Yeah. And he's like, sure, I'll go check on what that scary noise was I'm fucking taking my drink with me. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think it's a Jack and Coke as well. It's like, Jack He's like, oh, yeah, I'll, ch- I'll go. I'll go check if that's a wolf. Oh my god, but yeah. I'm taking this. You're with so me. right. Well, sometimes that- yeah, I find myself like, oh, we've run out. I'll go to the shop. I'm- I probably am going to take my drink with me. Though. Like, it's only around the corner, but it's like a party. So Landis said that line was inspired by him watching the news and Thatcher blamed the Brixton riots on hooligans yes. rather than acknowledging the racial issues. So that's why they say hooligans in the park again. Yeah, It was him having a little dig. Yeah, he's quite good. He's he's pretty up on his um, Brit culture. For is sure, yeah. this for the. I mean, we've got darts on the TV. The the news of the world. Nina Carter advert. Oh yeah, I forgot so, about that. Yeah, I, I, I ended up looking. Yeah, look, me too. Looking, I don't know who that <laughs> is. Googling all that. She's very good. You like, want to know if it's real? And it, yeah, it, it exactly. Was real. Who yeah. was she? She was a page three girl who yeah. formed a band called Blonde on Blonde with Jilly Cooper. Jilly Johnson, I think. I can't remember. Anyway, okay. another page three girl. Yeah. And I kid you not, <laughs> the actual Wikipedia page reads, without a hint of irony, they were big in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So then when David realises he's been eating people, mm, he... Because Alan Ford from Snatch. Yes! Yes, But he's uncredited. It took me ages to find that out. <laughs> Such a good actor. It's on Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Brick Tom. It's yes. amazing. Such a good actor. So he wants to get himself arrested. Mm. And this is a very funny scene. It's a bit long, but like he's in Trafalgar Square mm. and he's shouting whatever he can to a Bobby to get yeah. himself arrested, such as Queen Elizabeth is a man. <laughs> that made me laugh. But Shakespeare was French for some reason. That's I was good. tittering. That's a good line. That's a good line. <laughs> the thing is, though, I am amazed that he doesn't get arrested because all you need to do to get arrested, you need to swear at a police officer or hit them and then you definitely get arrested. Mm. Um, but yeah, he doesn't do either of those things. So, or does no. he? I think maybe he does swear in the end. But yeah, I mean, if you're a, if you're a Bobby on the beat and you're yeah. like, fuck the paperwork, just piss off, mate. Yes, that's true. It's also quite funny that uh, they get out of a cab at one point and the driver goes, that's £1.50. I'm like, oh my God, 1981. I wow. couldn't believe you it. You cannot actually travel in a cab for £1.50. The minute you close the door, it's £2.50 already. That's correct. Mm. So it says someone who gets a lot of tax. <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll, we'll be on the tube home, won't we? Yeah, and we don't know how much that is. What is that like? <laughs> I was for sure, I was waiting for you outside and a bus went past and I thought, I wonder if you're going to get And I was like, of course you're not getting off the bus. And I thought what might be fun to do is me and Chris make you go on a bus one day. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll film it and put it on, on the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. uh, just on Margaret Thatcher for a second, I re- read this thing in The Guardian. It's uncorroborated, but apparently she's meant to have said, so she maybe didn't. If you're ever on a bus over the age of 26, you should consider yourself a failure. <laughs> it sounds like her, doesn't it? But I was anyway. I was born in the year she came to power, so probably, you know, it's <laughs> probably some sort of correlation there. So we're off so to... Someone once said, you're Thatcher's child. I was like... Not what? literally, but yeah, I <laughs> no. am. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so we're off to watch a porno now mm. uh, called See You Next Wednesday. And that's the only TV. thing that changed from the 1969 script. He said yes. it didn't really change anything, but... There were cartoon cinemas everywhere in the 1960s, so he goes to a Roadrunner cartoon Yeah, in 69, and now in 1980, <laughs> no, he's going yeah, to hardcore pornography. It's amazing, yeah. though, because I was, I, was, I was like, was that, was that cinema really there in Piccadilly Circus? And it was. It was called the Eros Cinema. Yeah. And like you say, it was um, when he first visited mm. cartoons, and then it became a, an, an erotic theatre. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But it's just, I find it weird that like, there was a cinema, right? I really wish There's I'd be... There's probably more than one. Mm. Well, you remember Soho yeah. 20 years ago. I <laughs> do. A few. Well, not even 20 years ago. Soho's changed. Remember the sort of sex alley? Mm, so it's yeah. on its way out now. It's all flats now. <laughs> Probably. So, there's a couple of uh, specialist <laughs> outlets still on there. I mean, I've never understood it, but I don't suppose there's spaces for me. Because isn't it, it is, I assume, all you, basically, I don't know. And maybe you don't know. Are you allowed to wank in a porn cinema or not? Or is that the point of it? Oh, I don't yeah. think... Pee Wee Herman was allowed. Yeah, Paul, <laughs> Paul Rubens, Rubens got might, in trouble. Uh, might, he's the person to ask. But that was Let's in America. Get him on. Okay, great. that was in America, wasn't it? Okay. I don't know about the UK. I mean, yeah, otherwise, it's just I'll a be honest, Vicky. Place. I'm honest, Vicky. It's never come up. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I mean, <laughs> you must. You, you must have. You just must have done. Because otherwise, I mean, what's the point? Although they did used to have stories back then. Okay. So, I mean, you maybe you went for the plot. Well, see you next Wednesday, doesn't, but it's fine. It's it looks like, like a, a story. It's got a great story. Someone's yeah. got the wrong room. Yeah. <laughs> Lin- Lindsay Drew playing Brenda Bristols. Yeah. This was the film first thing they shot. And Landis said that the, you know, the British crew were thinking, who the hell is this bloke? And we've, what have we got ourselves into? Because <laughs> the first day of American Werewolf, you're shooting hardcore porn. Because yeah. um, that's his running joke, isn't it? See you next Wednesday. Yes, in all his films. films. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, David meets everyone he's killed. They're pretty pissed off about it. Um, so mm. this is the start of him, re- character-wise, he's, he's realising this can't go on. Mm. Um, and he transforms and he runs Riot through Piccadilly Circus. So a lot has been said about this because, uh, you know, you look at that now and you're just like, how is that possible that you could bring Piccadilly Circus to a standstill? Mm. And why and, is this film turned into the Blues Brothers? Yeah, yeah. Well, well I'll tell you for why. An R-rated Blues Brothers. Yeah. So, he, no one crashes a car like John Landis in the 80s. It's really, really, it's brilliantly done. Like, mm. I, I absolutely love this scene. Well, it's our friend Vic Armstrong driving the bus. Oh, yeah. 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 So apparently he... He, you, back in the day, <laughs> our friend. <laughs> we, we've met him. We, we like we him. Both yeah. Met him. yeah, he's lovely. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, did you tell me that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Read bits from his book. Interviewed him on stage in Trafalgar Square once. Okay, mm, lovely nice. man. Great guy. Good. Mm. We did him on Indiana Jones. We, 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 we covered Vic. Why are you still talking about him, Vicky? Sorry, Victoria. stop talking about Vic Armstrong. Yeah. Do you know what I get obsessed with when you tell me about Indiana Jones that? Uh, Harrison Ford's kids thought that Vic Armstrong was him. Yeah, Vic claims that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good story. I think about that all the time. Yeah, from behind. I think I think a lot of people from behind mm. thought he was him. And, and, the, and, the, children, and the best story is the the postcard that uh, that uh, Harrison Ford gave him at the end of Last Crusade, where he was like, "It's a good job you can't talk, otherwise I'd be in trouble." <laughs> if he can talk, but. <laughs> Anyway, no, that's the way that they can't actually talk. Victoria, you haven't met him, so why you... how the fuck do you know? My, my Q and A was very awkward. <laughs> it was just Q. Yeah. You just thought he was being rude. Yeah. And Paul Rubens was in the front row. Oh. Um, yeah, John Landis got all like got loads of like bobbies and put on a screening apparently of the Blues Brothers for them and said, "So listen, do you mind if I shut down Piccadilly Circus?" They were like, "Fuck it, go for it. We love this film." Um, so yeah, I mean, people, you know, a bus crashes, people get their someone gets their head ripped off. It's so good. It's brilliant. Mm. Other people, and it's not, it's just the carnage isn't just that, it's the carnage that the wolf causes, but it doesn't hold back at all. So people get smashed, run over, thrown through glass. It's brilliant. Incredible. Um, and then Alex arrives and there's this huge police cordon, but they're like, on you go, love. No problem there. Like She pushes through. I think, I don't think you're allowed to do that. <laughs> I think the point of it is no one goes past this line. I mean, she's nimble. 
And she, she walks very slowly down the alley. She's like, I've got this. I don't know. I think maybe I missed it, but Dr. Hirsch just needs to say, she can deal with this police officers and they'll go, okay, love, it's up to you kind of thing. But Yeah, but she can't. No, she can't. So she, what does she say? She's like, I love you. Mm. And then he mm. has a think about it and he's like, no, I'm still going to eat you. So. I don't think he even has a think about it. I think it's the fact that like it's just waiting for its moment. There's no thought process where mm. it, there's he's any, gone now. There's no yeah, David in there. Exactly. Oh, I didn't read it like that. Yeah, I, 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 read, I read it like it she's just an idiot for thinking <clears throat> what, an actual think he, werewolf. Do you think he wanted to eat the girl he loves? I think he no. I think he's in there. He's a wolf, but he's in there. No. And her saying that connects with that human part of him for a second, and then the wolf bit takes. You over. would have. In my mind, you would have the the head tilt on its side like a dog assessing yes. something if that was the case. I think she's made the mistake of thinking there's any part of David in that animal. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, he then gets shot to pieces by the police and that's the end of the film. And then those credits come in. Yeah, very, yeah it's a very um, quick cut, isn't it? It's like the Event Horizon credits. I love yeah, shit like that. I do too. That's it. The film has ended. Yeah. Is, is that it though? Did you read the stuff that comes up on screen during the credits? Let's talk about Charles and Diana. There's two. There's two. There's, there's one is a joke. He says all characters and events in this film are fictitious. Any similarity to actual events or persons living, dead or undead is purely coincidental. Good gag. But yeah, Lycanthrope Films Limited wishes to extend its heartfelt congratulations to Lady Diana and His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales on the occasion of their marriage, July 29th, 1981. Odd. Really, really odd. I suppose. I mean, I read all this stuff that was like they felt guilty for like ripping the piss out of the Queen and stuff like that. So he wanted to. I don't. I mean, Is this going to address the balance? I just, <laughs> I just think it's no. I mean, bizarre. Yeah, cursed. John Landis cursed that marriage. Do you think so? Yeah. I mean, maybe we forget what a big deal it was in 1981 for the marriage of HRH Prince Charles and Lady Diana Spencer. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't born, so. Uh, the only other thing I've got is obviously Michael Jackson bloody loved this movie. Oh yeah, and went. Uh, I'm that making. Please. <laughs> I'm making. I'm making a video for. Uh, I'm making a video. I'm making a video for a Thriller. Could you come and do it, John? And uh, could Rick Baker do effects? And uh, and could it be an amazing video? Please. And, and, and they went. And they said yes, Michael. And so it was great. Yeah. So that's that. all true. And um, and John Landis did write a script for the sequel, which followed. Um, yes. Alex Price. Um, uh, the doctor, the nurse. Oh, and did it? Yeah, he, he he wrote it and he sent it to the studio and he says they fucking hated it. Wow. <laughs> so he went, he went, just do Fuck what you, you then. He actually said, do what you want then, but send me the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't except, seen... except it made no money. Mm. I've not well, seen Well, I don't think it was anything one. to do with it. Very that, forgettable. Yeah. Very okay. forgettable. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, like really forgettable. This one, though, Landis said, like a lot of my movies, it was crapped on. And he is one of those directors that the critics <laughs> hated at the time, uh, hated his films, mm. rather. Um, but yeah, they made a lot of money and they become classics over time. And as we talked about the other day, um, Planet of the Apes, there being no makeup Oscar, Rick Baker won the first ever Academy Award for makeup for this film. Deservedly so. Of course. And The Howling didn't. Yeah. Uh, right, let's do the bits then, shall we? So, um, Chris, what's your best scene? Oh, I've got two. Do Alex first and I'll do the one that he Alex, what's your best scene? Uh, well, I mean, someone has to do the transformation scene because Excellent. it's absolutely amazing. Mm. But just because I'm going to do two anyway, oh like God, I said no. in the middle of the episode, so I am actually cheating because I said I wasn't going to do it as the bits. It's the bit where the fucking werewolf appears at the bottom of the escalator. Awesome. It is just incredible. Yep. Uh, do you want to go? No, you go. So I'm going to pick Piccadilly Circus. Because I think, um, yeah, you know, John Landis had trouble getting away because it's too funny for this and it's too scary for whatever. This is the perfect blend of horror and comedy because it's genuinely funny. It is mm. when people are getting smashed to bits, but it's very scary watching that wolf run around. So horror comedy is a fucking nightmare to do, and this this scene is perfect. And that face of the wolf, Rick Baker said, because he knew it was only going to be on st- on screen for like like a couple of frames. He made that face as scary as possible, and it's a terrifying wolf. Face. You feel bad for laughing, which is the point of horror comedy. Like mm. you feel appalled at the deaths, and you as as you're laughing, you're. <laughs> Off. Yeah, I see this more as a horror movie, to be perfectly honest, than a horror comedy. It lean for me, it's scarier than it is funny. Yes, I agree. Yeah, but the humor's everywhere in it. You might not mm. be laughing, but even like that scene in the cinema when all the dead people are talking to him, they're all, they've all got cracking one-liners. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's. I think it's 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 brilliant how he's put all this put it all together like that. I'm going for the scene in the slaughtered lamb. Because I think it sets the tone brilliantly. I love the acting, um, and it's got so many quotable lines as well. You made me miss. Uh, <laughs> stay on the road, keep clear of the moors, beware the moon. Like it's just a brilliant ten minutes of cinema, and I, I, it might be my favourite 
scene in the whole movie. I know that's why I picked it this way, but it's the one I look forward to the most, I think. Okay. Uh, What's your most valuable whatever, Alex? Mr. Baker. Mm. I mean, it has to be. I mean, it's just, you know, it was quite interesting because he, you watch this and you go, wow, he, the practical effects are what make it. But he says that he'd he'd like to do at some point, he says he's never been provided with the opportunity to do another werewolf transformation and he would actually like to do one which melds practical effects with CGI. But, I mean, based on this, why would you? Because this is the best transformation ever. Yeah. Uh, you, Chris? Me? Um, I would say it is Rick Baker because he did make the best scene in the film. <laughs> um, because not only is it a brilliant scene, contradicting myself, but it also, I mean, it literally revolutionised the film industry. Yeah. So uh has to be that. Uh, all right, three for three, Rick Baker, just obviously, it's phenomenal. Uh, Chris, what would you change? So, um, I've already said this, you've got one of the funniest people in history in the Stortwood Land, give him a line. Uh, I don't think the romance aspect of this film works. Um, I don't know if it's the writing or the acting, but I think you really need to believe their love, and I don't. So that needs to be developed, uh, and and then you know, it, she should be the one that kills him at the end. Like it just has to. That romance has to be more believable, and then she has to kill him. It's just a no-brainer. That's yeah. my change as well. Well, that's what I was going to say. I yeah. thought well, maybe we were going to talk about it, but there, there you go. We're doing that's it right the at the very it's, end because it's set up. It's all there. But so my my thing was. Is it have is it having fun with us though? Is it basically going? Oh, there is all this sort of mystique uh, about werewolves, and it has to be someone who loves you yeah, kills maybe. it. Maybe and then right. is it the fact that at the end, that's why when she's like, "But David, I love you," and you're like, "Oh," and then she's gonna have to kill him because of that love, and you realize, "Fuck, there's no romance about this. There's no romantic quality to being a werewolf. It's all bullshit, and it's just an animal that is going to fucking kill." Her. I, I point, think you yeah. might be right there because because is it working against the cliche? Is that the ending of every werewolf movie up until now? Exactly. Yeah. So, so I maybe think, I think it is a red herring. It's put in there yeah. to on purpose. That's okay. really interesting. Yeah, I think that what would mm. button that for me is because the camera, the it's her face that takes us out. So unless you get across from the actor that she's just realised that, which which now that you've said it, I can see. But if the camera just moved past her, so took it's not her story, it's not her emotion, it's not her, their relationship, it's arbitrary kind of thing, like he's just a dog kind mm. of thing, and the camera just moves up and away, That then that would have sort of hammered that home to me. But yeah, I can see what you're saying. So yeah, that is my change also. And what about you? Oh, now we've discussed it, it's not a change anymore. So <laughs> give fucking Rick Mail a line, it's Rick Mail. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right then, that is an American werewolf in London. Done, done, done. I'm very excited about this. You weren't in the room when I heard about this news. We have an audio quiz today, Chris. Okay. Which means shit could go wrong here. So uh, let's hope not. Okay, I'm going to play you an animal noise. (laughs) You need to tell me what animal it is. Okay. We're dealing with howls and roars and things like that here because obviously... And do it right, just just because I know the way Vicky's mind works. She's going to shout every single animal <laughs> she knows. So do we get one guess each? Um, it's whoever's right gets the point, and then we go back and forth, or is it just going to be a fucking oh, free-for-all? Because he's never shouted everything that's in his head. That's my thing, is it? That's all I do. <laughs> How many shouts do you want per... I want to shout as many times as I like. <laughs> okay. All right. Vicky can it. shout as many times she likes. You get one. Uh. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Get the volume. Okay, here we go. Oh, sorry, just one thing. Are they all real animals? There's not like a unicorn or a T Rex. No, whatever. he's found the sound of a unicorn. Yeah, he recorded it. It was a pig farm. <laughs> They're all real. Distance. They're all real animals. Thank you. Oh, tiger, lion, rhino. That is terrifying. <laughs> Jesus, a hippo. Bear. bear, grizzly bear. It's a bear. Yes. Oh, that's really scary. One point to Alex. <laughs> Okay. I know my best. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Oh, no, it's going to play an advert. Don't play an advert. Talk about yourselves. So how much, what's your favourite bear? Um, polar. A polar? Probably, actually. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're great. And scary. I uh, like a Kodiak bear. Oh, they're the cute ones. They're the ones who uh, take pictures. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> oh, a, a wolf. wolf. You both get a point there. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Tiger, lion. Gorilla. Gorilla. Oh, fuck. Wait for it. Jesus. Uh, yeah. It's really frightening. Imagine that. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely a silverback. Yeah. A man. It's definitely a man. I've always wanted to say that. 
Definitely a silverback. You've got a silverback. Okay, here we go. Cow. Bison. Hippo. It's a hippo. Jesus. Most dangerous animal in Africa. I'm More people of killed it. by hippos every year than lions. I know. Is this another animal? No, that was it. That oh. was it. Okay. And we are... I mean, obviously that was a hippo star. I knew that. <laughs> Cow. <laughs> Tiger. Lion. Cheetah. Panther. Leopard. Rhino. Um, Walrus. You should never smile at this animal. Crocodile. Correct. <laughs> Didn't know they made that noise. No, no you can smile at a crocodile. That's all I do. Love them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is the last one and it's three all. Oh, oh man. I hate this. This I is do. good. This, I do. Why do we do this? Because you love it when you win, Vicky. Yep. You lose your shit. <laughs> uh, chimpanzee. Seagull. <laughs> <laughs> Bat, cat, rat. Um, a howling monkey. A monkey. A baboon. A, ca- a, a baboon. Monkey. I guarantee you've heard this sound in real life. A cat. A bat. A fox. Correct. Yes! It's rotting foxes. That's my house. That's what it sounds like. That's, that's my house. It's Those such a beautiful Those sound. Noisy fuckers. It's such a beautiful sound. So hot. <laughs> Great stuff. I lost. Brilliant. Well done, Victoria. You don't seem as happy as normal. I'm trying to rein it in because I think I disgraced myself last week when I yelled at you. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, no one came out bit. of that well. Uh, congratulations, Victoria. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, all right. That is us done. Uh, a quick reminder. Tickets are on sale for our first ever live show, which is happening on September the 4th at 9.30pm as part of the London Podcast Festival. You can find out all the details on our Twitter where we are at Clash Pod, and you can get tickets now on the London Podcast Festival website. Uh, we'll have more information about what films we're doing very, very soon. Uh, but yeah, get tickets anyway. You don't need to know what films we're doing. It's going to be fucking great, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Thanks, guys. Uh, right then, we will be back on Thursday talking about dog soldiers, but let's look ahead to next week, which it's Victoria's choices. What's the clue? It's uh, Friends Till the End. Friends Till the End. Oh, I like that. Mm. That's nice. That's really nice. All right, then. That's your clue for next week, friends, till the end. Like I said, back on Thursday talking dog soldiers and declaring the winner of our Werewolf Clash. In the meantime, please do subscribe to us if you haven't done already. Uh, Leave us a rating and review and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Bye-bye. See you Thursday. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.